Bickley and Marotta. Bickley and Marotta mornings. Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. Bickley Blast. The Suns have won four consecutive games, and a couple of them make you want to puff out your chest and flex, just like the guy in Jersey. It feels hopeful, just like old times, and some Suns fans are doing just that, chiding all non-believers who ever dared to doubt James Jones. Others, they're sick of the stand, the people in the stands who are constantly making excuses for the team's general manager, but I think most reasonable people wonder what is real with this basketball team and what is lasting and for good reason the nba regular season has kind of become like finger painting in kindergarten you never know who's trying hard these games mean so little and the playoffs are so different and if you think damian lee and sabin lee and dario sharich and josh akogi are going to be big difference makers in a playoff series well congratulations you have learned nothing from last season but it's also essential that the suns do more of what they're doing now We need more commanding victories from these Suns because we've already had way too many of the exact opposite. Games when they've been trailing by 30 at halftime. More to the point, the team needs it because the Suns are no longer on the NBA's most wanted list. They're no longer the hunted. And if they are going to make a legitimate playoff run, there is a credibility that needs to be reestablished in Phoenix. A threat that needs to be reestablished in Phoenix. And if they're going to make any anyone believe they are still a title contender in Phoenix, Arizona, a title contender in sheep's clothing, they are going to need to believe it first. All right, today's Bickley Blast brought to you by my great friends at Chapman BMW who have two great locations. They make luxury affordable and you can find them online at ChapmanBMW.com. Well, I mean, it was, wasn't that comfortable going into halftime and then in the second half, you know, when you hold a team to 50 points, that gives you some some comfort. And, but, we, you know, we scored 70. And uh, the ball movement tonight, and obviously when you get 37 assists, you got to make some shots, and we did that tonight. Um, I loved our defensive intensity to start the game and set the tone for us. And they went zone, and we slowed down a little bit. But then in the second half, we picked it back up. Um, I told the guys we got to get stopped so we can keep them out of the zone. And even if we are playing against the zone, we got to just keep the pace up. You know, pace doesn't necessarily mean transition. We can still play with pace in the half court. That's our DNA, and I thought we did a, a much better job in the second half, and it gave us a bit of a cushion. It's Monty Williams on what went right during the Suns' fourth consecutive victory. It's been a while since we've had a, a, a winning streak of this length for the Phoenix Suns. Uh, contender in sheep's clothing, they got to believe it themselves. Mm-hmm. I think the belief level is there. And when you start to zoom out big big picture on what the Suns are right now, and one of the things that's hung over this team's head all season long is the Jay Crowder situation. And, you know, I, I talked about it in Vinny's view. I, you know, to me, and this is just a feeling, I'm not reporting anything, it's just a feeling. I don't think there's going to be much change in this roster at the trade deadline. I think they're going to attempt and probably accomplish getting something for Jay Crowder. Mm-hmm. But what you are, you know, if you do you take that tact if you're James Jones and the Phoenix Suns, you're betting on health and you're betting on this rekindling of chemistry, which has been such a strength. Chemistry broke down last year, late in the Dallas series. It wasn't the same looking team. I wonder, you know, here we are sitting here in late January, still wondering what happened with Jay Crowder. 
you know, what, why was a guy who was so gung ho and so willing to do what was asked of him? Why is he not a part of this team? Why was he not willing to be mm-hmm. part of this team? Why was the team not willing to bring him back? Yeah. Is it fair to point the chemistry issue finger at, at Jay Crowder? Was there an incident with yeah. Jay Crowder in the postseason oh, that made this ir- irreparable? I, uh, that to me, I, I don't think there's. I don't even think you can phrase that as a question mark anymore. I think you almost have to kind of speculate that that is indeed what happened. Because as I as I said many many times, uh, I can understand anger, I can understand conflict, but I can't understand con- the lack of conflict resolution when you're talking about guys like James Jones and Monty Williams and 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 that kind of regime here. Uh, it it really speaks to me to to something that Jay Crowder either did or said. That must have been the third rail for this coaching staff because he's identified uh, the coaching staff as those that did not appreciate him in Phoenix, Arizona, Mm -hmm. what he brought. And and there's two sides to that. And the Suns are not engaging in that. And Monty Williams is not explaining the Suns side of the story in this, which tells you something. It, It really tells you that they are beyond resolute in washing their hands of the Jay Crowder experience. Yes. And so, yeah, listen, I, I, I think that is true as well. I just here's what I think. And I'm trying to convey in the blast. When you look in the NBA and you look at teams that get into the NBA playoffs and they're considered dangerous teams, those teams don't make the NBA finals and they don't win championships because you've got to be a team that has such a firm self-belief that you believe you belong there or you're not going to get there. The Mm -hmm. difference to me is the Golden State Warriors last year that got by on the knowledge that we've done this before. You know what I mean? Had the Warriors never won a title, I don't think they get through the playoffs last year the way they did. They leaned on that. Suns don't have that to lean on. They've had a lot, a lot of humility. Do you know how much humble pie and Crow, this basketball team, has been eating for the last six weeks? Absolutely. A ton of it. Well, how much they've been eating since the the playoff exit against Dallas. That too. And, you know, this year is the first time in in the Chris Paul era of the Phoenix Suns that this team has dealt with more than its fair share of adversity. From a number of different fronts, and that can sharpen you. It can kill you, but can, it, it, on the flip side, it can also sharpen you. Two of the two of the more celebrated victories the Suns have had uh, also worry me on some level, and that would have been the shorthanded thumping of the Golden State Warriors in San Francisco and then the other night against Memphis um, when you did it with sort of a, a, a team of reserves and second string players and it's it's very impressive because it's it's proof of life it's signs of life from the basketball team it scares me that a team like the Grizzlies or the Warriors could be so past the Suns in their brain that they don't even take what was coming at him that seriously. So, and again, I just, I think the Suns have to repair some of that. Do they believe? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I think they do believe in themselves, but I think that's a little different than kind of going into the playoffs knowing we are, no one's touching us. You know, I, I, I just, I, I think that, I think, and I do think they can get that back because I do think when Devin Booker gets back and, and this team is fully healthy, they're going to look formidable. I think they're going to play formidable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's one of the reinforcements you're getting back as a guy who was playing at MVP level yeah. before he no, got I hurt. I mean, that's, I know. there's something to be said for that. I, oh, yeah. I, I, I for one, want to just fast forward to that time when it actually happens and see if this team can stay healthy and together for any stretch of time, more than five or six games, which is what we've failed to see this year. Um, but it's an interesting time for the Phoenix Suns right now with the, the trade oh, yeah. deadline looming. Uh, there is no doubt about that. want to remind you, uh, the Innings Festival is back. The two-day festival featuring Green Day. 
Eddie Vedder, Weezer, The Offspring, and many more returns to Tempe Beach Park on February 25th and 26th. Tickets are on sale, but you can also head to the contest page at ArizonaSports.com for complete details and your chance to win some tickets to Innings Festival. Coming up next, Peyton, Quinn, Reich, Flores. Who's it going to be for the Arizona Cardinals? We'll get into the latest on the Cardinals coaching search next. It's Bickley and Murata. Mornings live from the Auction Community Studios here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata Mornings. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports. Cardinals head coaching search. Update. 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 He'll be number one, in my opinion. There's no question about that, you know, what he's done. Obviously, his experience, and he did really good in Atlanta. Um, and, you know, had he, you know, run the football a little bit more, he'd have a Super Bowl championship. So I don't think it's be much longer until Dan Quinn will be back on the sidelines as a head coach of the National Football League. But I think for him, most importantly, is finding the right situation. You know, you, you don't want to go to a team where you don't have a quarterback, you don't have a chance to win. You want to be in a place where, you know, you, you have a legitimate shot. And those type of jobs are very difficult to come by because they don't turn over often. That's Larry Fitzgerald, former Cardinals wide receiver, now media member on a podcast, the Let's Go podcast. That's from October uh, when Larry Fitzgerald was asked by Jim Gray about Dan Quinn during the middle of the the season. So um, not necessarily foreshadowing anything. I don't think in October many people thought Cliff Kingsbury would be fired as the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals because of the extension that was in place. And the season still looked salvageable at, at that point. But uh, Larry Fitzgerald giving high praise to Dan Quinn, who came in for a second interview with the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, do we know if that interview took place last night or if it's happening today? I, I don't know. I haven't heard. I mean, it's very possible he might have flown in yesterday and they're going to convene today. Yeah, I don't know. I guess know. that's immaterial. The details all of it is very mysterious because sometimes you'll hear like, "Oh, the interview went great." They're they're really enthusiastic about you know how the interview went. We haven't heard any details about anything. I remember, and and the Cardinals have not always had the same tact on this, but mm-hmm. the year they hired Bruce Arians, I remember attending and covering a press conference at the Cardinals facility after Jay Gruden wrapped up his coaching interview. With the Cardinals. He did the interview and then did a press conference to answer questions. Which, as a candidate. As a candidate, which was strange. That, that's not common. A candidate for a job he obviously didn't he did, wind up getting. He did not get it. And, you know, a lot of, even in this year's coaching cycle, you'll see a lot of teams on their social media channels when an interview is complete, hey, we've just completed an interview with such and such a candidate. The Cardinals are not going down that road well, uh, this year either. So it, there's a lot of fuzziness with what's going on. Well, sure. thank goodness they didn't end up with Jay Gruden. But anyways, uh, <laughs> I would say this. I, I think I think maybe, maybe just maybe, everything about this Cardinal head coaching search didn't change when Monty Ford got the job. Maybe it changed when Monty Ford hired Dave Sears from the Lions. Because if you follow me on this... Dave Sears, the guy that they hired from the Lions, who was in charge of the Lions scouting, who is now the assistant general manager of the Arizona Cardinals, you got to believe Monty Austin Fort and Dave Sears have got some sort of history. They bond. They, I, I think it'd be fair to assume that they've got a very similar, if not a shared vision. And they were on the same uh, staff in, in Houston very early in their careers. Okay, so so I think that that they're going to be a, a team, and I think they probably think alike. And I think getting the two of them in front of a head coach, because keep in mind now, if you're hiring any head coach of worth, that head coach is interviewing you as much as they are interviewing the head coach. 
And so the head coach, if you're of if you're a guy with any kind of leverage at all, and I'm talking about Dan Quinn and Sean Payton primarily, maybe Frank Reich. But if you're Dan Quinn or Sean Payton, uh, you'd have to be impressed. You would need to be impressed by the new management team that's in place. And maybe maybe there's such a vibe between Monty and Dave, the new the new regime here that that they're kind of recycling and say okay let's get back out there because now we've got a better vision of who we are mm-hmm. which and we can communicate that which which i don't think michael bidwell could have prior to hiring monty Asin for it now michael didn't do a ton of interviewing before monty but now monty with the guy that he went out and hired i think kind of changes things if you will yeah I think that's a fair way to yeah, look at it. Yeah, I mean, it. you can sell you can sell the vision for the team a lot more uh, a lot more effectively with the, with guy number one and two than just with guy number one or with the owner painting some you know some abstract vision for it. So mm-hmm. I I don't know. Maybe, maybe this is something where Sean Payton is going to come into this thing um, sometime tomorrow and go ooh. I didn't know about these guys, but these guys are sharp. Yeah. I like the I I like what they're selling. I like the cut of their jib. Yeah, <laughs> I want to work with these guys. They, um, they said I like what they're cooking. It's like walking into Jared's house. <laughs> said nobody ever. Oh no, except I'm, on uh, Bean Night. <laughs> well, uh, I'm a delicious cook. I know. You're a delicious you're, cook. You, you mean you make delicious food. You're not a delicious no, he cook. Meant he's a delicious no. cook. <laughs> hey, oh. Look, I said oh, what I said. so dancy. No, I'm not sure I want to go to Jared's house for dinner. Um, Sean Payton, as Bick mentioned, uh, in town tomorrow. At long last, it's been rumored. It's been agreed upon. When are they going to talk? Oh, that talk is going to take place tomorrow. And there's so much speculation still on Sean Payton on if he lands with an NFL team. The Saints holding his contractual rights. They are owed some sort of compensation just for the right to hire Sean Payton. Um, you know, the speculation is first round pick, maybe multiple first round picks. And we've seen the talk going in that direction, like it's going to be a king's ransom to get Sean Payton away from the Saints. Mike Triplett covers the Saints for New Orleans.Football. He was on with Burns and Gambo yesterday here on Arizona Sports, and he said, hey, I don't think if you're worried about the Cardinals having to give up the third overall pick to get Sean Payton if they want to go down that road, don't worry about that. I think it's going to be a first-round pick, or at least what the Saints are sort of saying is the price of admission here is a first-round pick or the equivalent of a first-round pick if you've got to package some picks together on a trade chart to to make it a first-round pick plus a little more. So okay. I, I don't think they're demanding a third pick overall from Arizona, uh, but maybe if they want Arizona's first next year, then it would also cost a second and third or something something along those lines. Yeah. I, you know, I, I've heard that they didn't even – you know, set the it's these exact picks when they talk to teams, but but I bet it would have to to add up to something like the fifteenth pick on a trade chart. Yeah, and I know a lot of Cardinal fans were bracing for that. Hey, and and had gone down that road. It's the third overall pick, big deal. Trade it to get Sean Payton. Okay. A lot of a lot of fans aren't there, but a future pick, or as as Triplett mentioned there, maybe a combination of picks that can can add value to to a trade chart. We'll see. Look, yeah, you you brought up the fact that Mel Kiper already has a mock draft out, and I think I think uh, as somebody who has just barely started to scratch the surface of that kind of research, mm-hmm. I think you and I are already in agreement here. The, the Cardinals might be able to solve their edge rusher dilemma with one draft pick. I don't know if you're trading number three overall. I'm talking about Will Anderson from Alabama. Uh, who was actually the, the the guy at number three in Kuiper's mock draft. Other mock drafts. And I know people love Jalen Carter. Jalen Carter I get of all Georgia. That. He's another guy who fixes big problems on the defense, potentially. But if you want a disruptor, yeah. 
Yeah, I, I'm, I'm going with the Alabama kid personally. But uh, yeah. but but again, so that I don't know. I, I don't think that's really real life kind of stuff. That's that that's too that's too valuable. Do you know how much money you have to pay for an edge rusher in the NFL? Twenty million bucks a year. And if you can, not on a rookie deal, not on a rookie deal. <laughs> and, and this 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 kid from Alabama is about as legit as edge rushers tend to be coming out of college. Mm-hmm. So, and, and again, I know as a defensive lineman, this Jalen Carter is just is is monstrously talented as well. But yeah. when you talk about the Cardinals and their need. You've got a you've got a twenty million dollar a year piece sitting there if Will Anderson is actually the guy. Absolutely. Text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at six twenty six twenty right now. Coming up next, we've given our thoughts on the Suns and what they've done recently. Coming up uh, straight ahead, we'll get the thoughts of a Hall of Famer, the voice of the Suns himself, Al McCoy, joins us for All About the Suns here on Bickley and Murata Mornings, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Suzanne, CP three. Al, about the Suns. Hall of Famer Suns broadcaster Al McCoy calls in to talk Suns with Bickley and Murata. Suns win. The Suns win. Al, about the Suns. Driven by Sanderson Ford. Now the Suns crushed the Charlotte Hornets last night by 30-some-odd points for their fourth straight win. A lot of the doom and gloom that's been hanging over this franchise is... Subsided for now, and here to talk about it with us, the legendary voice, the Hall of Fame voice of the Phoenix Suns, Al McCoy, who joins us here on the Arizona Sports Line. Good morning, Al. How are you? Well, good morning, guys. And I guess uh, we finally realize that it does make a difference when you have at least three of your normal starters back on the floor, yeah. right? Yeah, uh, it was good to see, obviously, in the last week or so, Cam Johnson come back, and he's had a couple of really impactful games. But uh, we've seen in the past, Al, when, when Cam misses some time with injury, it, it normally takes him a little time to get going. And so far, that really hasn't been the case. He, he looks like he's already back into form. Well, no question about it. And he came came out ready to go. His shot was right there. And uh, I think we have to also uh, compliment Mikel Bridges because he has really shown what he's capable of doing when he's had to really reach back for a lot of extra here in the last few weeks. And then to see Chris Paul come out and to look like Chris Paul. So as I mentioned, uh, when you have three of your normal starters on the floor, uh, it does make a difference. Now it's catch-up time. Yeah, exactly. Now, I don't know what this four-game winning streak means. I do know it's much better than the alternative, and and I do know that, that this basketball team probably needs to be kind of reinflated with some of that swagger they once had. What what, what do you make of, of this little role they're on? How much are you believing in this? Well, it's a confidence builder, and uh, I think it means a great deal, and I think they all realized that when they were shorthanded with all these injuries, just like every other team in the NBA, that uh, you can't compete at the highest level. Now, they have to continue to play they have in the last few games with that consistency, and that's always been a big word, consistency. But, you know, it seems to be the word around the NBA. Yeah. We see these top teams come out and play fantastic basketball for a quarter and then can't hit a hoop in the second <laughs> quarter. That seems to be the way 
things are going in the NBA. But I do think these two wins uh, are confidence builders, and obviously with Dallas coming to town, uh, you don't have to build that up. Yeah, right. Al McCoy, the legendary voice of the Suns, our guest here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Uh, the Suns, by winning four games, went to 12th in the West, out all the way up to, at one time before the, the all the finals were in last night, they were in the fifth slot. That is just kind of a study or an indication of how much parity uh, we have in the NBA right now, uh, which I love. I, I hated going into seasons where you could identify two or three teams and pick the champion from that group every single year. So I look, I like what's going on. But in, in your experience, and you've seen you know a, a ton of NBA basketball over the years, have you ever seen anything like this with all this bunching you know, this, up? No, no. This has been an entirely different uh, season in the NBA for a lot of reasons. And uh, we talked about this earlier. I think uh, from the all-star break on, we are really going to see competitiveness in the NBA. We're going to see who is healthy and who is ready to compete, who is able to do that on a consistent basis. So I think we're going to see really a run from the all-star break on uh, getting into playoff time. Yeah, that's interesting. It kind of it kind of shows you how absurd the regular season can be or much of it can be. I think you're absolutely right. I think it's going to be a, a mad dash for playoff seeding and all that stuff after the all-star break. Um, okay, when, when you take a look at Cam Johnson specifically, I, I, I don't know what it is, but he didn't play well against Memphis, but he's had two very, very good games since his return. Two out of three where he's been really impactful right out of the gate in the first quarter do you sense anything different like he's on a mission or because we all know he's a guy that that is playing for a contract next year do you do you sense any kind of a a vibe coming off him that's promising al well i I don't really think uh, he knows any other way to play than all out and we know he's a great shooter and that's what the Suns have needed badly. And he fills that gap, no question about it. I just look for him to uh, finish very strong the rest of the season. Now, I've said this about Cam from day one. Uh, he has to stay healthy. <clears throat> he has to stay healthy. And if he can do that, the way he plays the game and the way he shoots the basketball, he's a tremendous tremendous plus for the Suns. Yeah, Al, I also wanted to get your thoughts on what we've seen recently from, from Dario Saric who in a lot of ways has become the forgotten man, uh, missed the time with the knee injury all of last year, but he's starting to round back into form, and his numbers over the last 10 games or so have been very good. I mean, he uh, he's kind of an unsung hero right now, don't you think? Well, well you've heard me say this uh, for some time, that uh, when he gets playing time, he's going to respond, mm-hmm. and that's what it took. He wasn't getting any any strong minutes when he came back from the injury. And then with the players being out, uh, he got that time. And he certainly has the capabilities. He has the size. He can play inside. He's an outstanding passer. He can hit the three. He's going to be a contributor, no question about it. We're a couple weeks away still from the trade deadline, and I know there's a lot of Suns fans that are clamoring for for big time changes. And obviously, you know, with the way things were going, that made a lot more sense. But Bick and I talked about it earlier today, Alan. I don't I don't think there's big changes coming. I do think the Suns need to still address the Jay Crowder situation and get something of value for Jay Crowder. But uh, are are you bracing for for big time changes at the deadline, or you think this is kind of the group that's going to move forward? Well, uh, I really don't look for changes. Uh, I do think 
that uh, some of these young players, these young guards that have come off the bench and played well in specific games uh, could be a plus. And it could be a little more difficult for some of those guards that have been out extended time to get back playing time because these young guys are out there battling. Uh, As far as changes, uh, it's a day-to-day thing. Obviously, I think James Jones, the Suns GM, is uh, every single day looking to find ways to improve this ball club. But uh, uh, we know it's not going to be easy. Uh, DeAndre Ayton's been out a couple of days. I guess he's not feeling well. That situation still is a little bit of a question mark in my mind as to what the future holds there. But uh, I think right now the Suns have to concentrate on getting back to their game, playing the way they have in the last couple, uh, getting uh, players healthy, and getting ready to make a run and being consistent. Yeah, and I think it also ties into something we talked about earlier, Alan. That is, all the teams that are still in contention for, for playoff spots, that means less teams that are trying to uh, unload assets at this time. There's really only a couple of teams that you could put in that tanking category. So I think that's something new that general managers are probably dealing with this year more so than, than years past. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I would agree. Al, always a pleasure to talk Thank to you, you and catch up. Well, we will talk again okay, next week. guys. It'll be fun with Dallas, so uh, have oh, a good one today. Always oh, good boy. to talk to you. See you, buddy. Same to you, Al. Al McCoy, the uh, Hall of Fame voice of the Phoenix Suns. Al, about the Suns on Wednesdays here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. Coming up next, we're talking a lot about the Cardinals coaching search. There's four other coaching searches going on in the NFL. We'll focus on some of the tidbits from those next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports the local sports leader. Now, about the Suns. Driven by Sanderson Ford. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata Mornings. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata. Hash marks. Cardinals on the lookout for a new head coach. Four other teams, the Indianapolis Colts. Carolina Panthers, Houston Texans, Denver Broncos doing the same thing. And we're getting all kinds of rumors from around and a lot of bleed over in terms of candidates, obviously. Some things that were reported today, Bick. Uh, Tom Pellicero of NFL Network uh, says the Panthers conducting a second interview with former Colts head coach Frank Reich. Per a source, uh, Ian Rappaport, Tom Pellicero's uh colleague at NFL Network reported earlier today the Panthers have uh, interviewed interim coach Steve Wilkes for a second time. Uh, Other second interviews are coming as well. The Cardinals obviously having a second interview first in person Mm. with Dan Quinn. They'll have a first interview with Sean Payton tomorrow. Uh, and there was a time in this coaching cycle where everybody was looking at the Denver Broncos and Sean Payton. That seems like the inevitable marriage. And now, as the days passed, it seems like the, the, the roads are veering in opposite directions. I wanted to share this with you and the audience, and I don't know how much credence there is. It's out there. A couple of connected people have reported this, including uh, Denver Broncos 365 at Daily Broncos on Twitter. They are not... Uh, they're not verified on Twitter. All right. They do have a following, though. Okay. 14,000 people plus. The reason that the Broncos haven't had any second-round interviews, quote, Rob Walton is on a hunting trip. Oh! <laughs> really? Rob Walton, the figurehead of the uh, Walton family, the new Walmart ownership group of, of 
<laughs> so he, so I'm guessing he, he's probably on some gaming reserve in Africa and can't zoom in. I'm guessing, <laughs> I probably, maybe. Right? We don't know where said hunting trip is. Yeah. Taken. But it, it, if if this is true and you were a fan of the Denver Broncos, would you be frustrated by that? You should be hunting for one thing right now, and that's a, a head, big game a coach. coach. Yeah. Ooh, I like Especially it. Especially because it's they haven't even been there for a full year. No. And this is how they're handling their first major hire. I mean, oh, they'll get around to the it. Caribou, ah. The caribou are only, uh, you know, good hunting for a week a year. Sure. <laughs> I guess get it while the getting's good. I had no idea you were a hunting authority, Jared. Um, caribou Lou guy. <laughs> Yeah, that would be ultimately frustrating. Yeah, no, and again, I think um, I, I think a couple things about this. I, I do think that Sean Payton has looked at Denver and just gone, I don't think so. And I think it it's been explained this way to me. And, and this is nothing. I've I've heard this in a few different places. So I think this is kind of getting around. It, it's the idea that Sean Payton, even though he thinks he could have won with Russell Wilson a few years ago, that he's just too far along in his career really to change what he's doing. Dramatically, and and so and so, I kind of get that, and I and I kind of get that if you're Sean Payton, you're not wandering into that division unless you really feel good about everything. Well, we, we've heard all of the the rumblings, and you know, over the course of this season, and obviously, we saw how, from a football standpoint, it unraveled for Russell Wilson in Denver. But you know, previous ownership before uh, you know the Waltons and the and the, uh, the Walmart Group took over. They did a lot of acquiescing to Russell Wilson, not only from the new contract, but from all the concessions that were made. He's got an office in the stadium. His people are around constantly. He Listen. flies in his own team of experts. Uh, they have access to the facility. Um, if That's I'm, just a bad look. You yes. can't do that if you're the court. You cannot do that. Plus, you know, when we're talking, you know, we, we talked to Mark Slareth and we'll talk to him again today. But uh, he outlined, um, you know, just how how frustrating it is when you have a struggling football team yet your quarterback, your leader of your uh, of your team, can't seem to back away from social media with all these poses and uh, you know rehearsed uh, rehearsed videos that he's putting out on Instagram. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very frustrating. And, and Sean Payton very well could be looking at all of that in the big picture and saying, "I don't want to deal with it that." It feels like if it was going to happen, it would have happened. Probably, that's, that's, especially that's, with that's what it is. The Cardinals kind of gave like a three day warning about their interview with Sean Payton. Yeah. If you're Denver and you really want Sean Payton or if Sean Payton really want Denver, don't you make that happen in this three-day interim? Absolutely. So this interview never happens on Thursday? Absolutely. I mean, go back to the Cardinals' last coaching search when they expressed interest in Cliff Kingsbury and mm-hmm. so did the New York Jets. I mean, the Jets did not want Cliff Kingsbury to leave New York and an interview with Arizona. There's been all kinds of efforts in coaching searches in the past. But then again, the the, the X factor in all of this is how serious is Sean yeah, Payton really right. about coaching again? Okay, listen, year. and again, that's a great question. So the question becomes, if you're Sean Payton, you take another year off, you're hoping that next year circumstances are different, but there's there's no guarantee you're going to be the hot guy next year. Now, I think I I don't think Sean Payton would ever struggle to get a job, but if if Sean Payton goes back to the television Booth and let's just let's just say he's making five million dollars a year in that gig with Fox. Just let's throw that out there. Might be more, might be less. I don't know. Um, he's going to make upwards of fifteen to twenty million as a head coach. So that's money he's not going to recoup if he waits. Uh, another year and doesn't get a good situation. So I think there's a lot that's going through his mind right now. And that is, is a situation out there now good enough 
that's better than me squandering another year not coaching, giving up that coaching money, and then hoping that there's something better next year. Because the sad truth of it all, uh, sad truth of it is, teams that are generally looking for new head coaches are really bad. And they're really bad for a reason. And it's either really bad ownership or really bad quarterback play. Sometimes it's both. Mm -hmm. And so I I think that Sean Payton's probably weighing all this. Sean Payton's been described as the reason why you see him on Colin Coward's show so much is he's he's grown to love the West Coast. It loves it. So being out here in Arizona, that's going to kind of scratch that itch for him. He's going to be close to L.A. He's going to be on the West Coast. He's going to be in a warm weather community, and he might look at the quarterback and go, okay, you know what? There's a lot of weirdness there, but man, look at that raw material there, and look at that division. Who am I afraid of in that division? Because let's be honest here. As much as as much as I rave about Kyle Shanahan, and as much as I, as I wrote this morning, swoon over that 49ers team, as much as the Rams and the Seahawks have great culture building at head coach with the right guy the Cardinals are going to have the best quarterback in the division and it's not even going to be close with the right mentor and so if if Sean Payton is is looking at the paradigm if he's looking at it like that (laughs) he might say all I need to know from Arizona is are they going to pay me and am I going to get along with the people who I work with and if he sits down with Monty Austinfort and Dave Sears and Michael Bidwell and goes wow they just hired a couple of really sharp dudes, and, 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 and I'm vibing with what they're saying, and I can work with that quarterback, and they're going to give me just enough power for me to do what I want to do. Who knows, man? Who knows? Who knows? Now, I think, I think we're all under the assumption that Michael Bidwell is not prone to pay a head coach the amount that Sean Payton is looking for, but who knows? What team is? Yeah, right? Right? Who and, is the highest paid coach again, in the NFL right now? You just, you look at, right, you look, to me, you look at the cost of potential failure with this quarterback, you add $230 million to the bill if you don't get this kid right. And if you get them right, you might win a Super Bowl. So, I mean, whatever penny you spend in pursuit of, it's going to be well worth it if you get the right guy. And we know, we know Sean Payton is a right guy. He's proven that. Bill Belichick makes $20 million. Does he really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know he made that much. Pete Carroll makes $15 million. I wonder why he Still won't go away. Pete Carroll makes how much? $15 million. Sean McVay, $14 million. Wow, I didn't know that they had escalated to that. Wow. Okay, it's not surprising. I guess it's not that uh, that outlandish then. It's not all too far fetched. Yeah. And, if, and, if, but if that scale is leaning more towards twenty five, and I'm going to tell you something else, I I'm real impressed with Sean McVay as a culture builder. I'm really real impressed with his memory. I, overrated a little bit. He's I'm got a, sorry. Got a good overrated head of hair. a little bit. I think he's got a good hairdo. Yeah, I've I've never been as impressed <laughs> with Sean McVay as people other people are impressed with Sean McVay. Yeah, it's just me. I was definitely. It's hard because he just won the Super Bowl. Uh huh. He's the defending champion. But I think he won the Super Bowl with the the best. Yeah, he is. He won the Super Bowl (laughs) with the best team. He barely got there. I know. But it, I think I felt like in general in the NFL it was trending that way that he was sort of overrated, yeah. and then they won the Super Bowl, but the good second half last year. I don't know. I mean, he's got a Super Bowl. How many guys can currently say that in the NFL? Uh, I don't know. Well, I got a lot of, I got twenty million dollars. It's all about the Benjamin's <laughs> no, baby. I haven't really got it. 
<laughs> it's all about the Benjamins. Yeah, that's what is that what is that what Bill Belichick says? Bill Belichick's that's famous one of his line. catchphrases. It's all yeah. about the Benjamins. We are less than three weeks away from Super Bowl Fifty. So can you imagine if Bill Belichick did the buzz no, liners? Wow. Oh, wouldn't that be great? Uh, we are less than three weeks away from you Super Bowl. You sound like Luke Lipinski, right, Jared? <laughs> oh my goodness, I feel bad for all the buzzery people. <laughs> Their hard-earned money to the station. We are less than three weeks away from Super Bowl Fifty Seven. Bud Light, FanDuel, and Arizona Sports want you to be there in person. Text Super to. 620-620. Register and listen for your name. Starting February 6th, you can score a pair of tickets to the Super Bowl plus the FanDuel Party, Bud Light Music Fest, and the Super Bowl Experience. Text SUPER to 620-620 to get entered. It's all access presented by Bud Light and FanDuel. Coming up next, 9 o'clock hour starts with some social studies presided over by Sarah Cazell. It's Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.